Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Water Zone Show. And I'm Rob Starr, along with my magic man, Mr. Chris Davies, and we're here as the uh, the Water Zone tonight, and uh, it's going to be a great show. Got some great guests. Uh, I want to say, uh, how's Chris doing? Chris uh, Davy, how are you doing today? I'm good, and I'm glad your mic self settled there, man. When you first came on there, there was some Jimi Hendrix feedback going on. So, <laughs> from my well, you know, I looked in the cha- I looked in the changing our name of the show to the Blue Man Group. Now, we can, we can do music, just like those guys, and we talk about blue all the time. But we I guess do. we can't try to we, well, I guess we can't try to take that name away from them. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, are you recovered? For our listeners, uh, last week we broadcasted, if you listened, we broadcasted live from the Smart Water Innovations uh, show in Las Vegas, and uh, we had a good time. We were blessed by getting uh, our sixth year in a row award for Outstanding education and outreach, so we're very proud of that. And we we had a little incident. Can we talk about the little incident? Yes, yeah, go right ahead. So we we did the radio, had to do the radio show at six. The ballroom of the exhibit closed. I think it was six thirty. Six thirty. So we did the show, and our show was over at seven. So we came back to the ballroom. We had to pack up the stuff and give it to the expo people so they can ship it back. And we're schlepping all this kind of stuff back and forth and back and forth. And uh, we we had our award with us because we brought it to the radio show and set it on the table so our guests can see it and everything. And so we we went back, went to dinner. Took I took Chris to, to the airport in the morning. I started driving back to to Arizona. Chris calls me, says, "Hey, do you have the award?" I go, "No, you had the award. You were carrying it." He says, "Well, I don't have it." I said, "Are you sure you don't have it?" He says, "I checked my bags. It's not here." I said, "Well, did you leave it in your room?" He says, no, I thought you were carrying it. He goes, no, you were carrying it. Mm-hmm. So I had to turn around, drive back to the hotel, and I go inside and I ask somebody, I, I call housekeeping. I said, hey, my name is so-and-so. I stayed in the room, blah, blah, blah. And my associate, Chris Davies, stayed in so-so. But we think we left a, a box in the room that had an award on it. Can you go check? Oh, okay. I said, look, can I, can I meet you? They said, no, you have to wait in the lobby. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there for 45 minutes. They don't call me back. So... I, I called back again. Nobody answered. So I figured, okay, let me go upstairs to the ballroom. Maybe somebody's still there from the exposition. I go in there. It's gutted. I mean, it's clean as a whistle. Like, nothing ever happens. And uh, a security guard comes up and says, hey, uh, what are you doing in here? I said, oh, I'm looking for a box. Oh, excuse me. They said, I can't find it. I told him what it is. Well, sometimes they bring it to Lost and Found. So I go down to Lost and Found. And they said, no, they don't have it. So then I called back room, uh, housekeeping. I said, hey, did you, I'm, I'm the guy that called a little while ago. She says, well, I don't know nothing about that. I said, well, we, we seem to have left something maybe in the room because somebody was going to check it and would call me back. Now I'm here. It's an hour and a half later, and I haven't heard from it. Well, well, we'll send somebody right now. I said, are you sure? She says, yeah. I said, okay. So she calls back, says she doesn't have it. So I text Chris. He's on the airplane getting ready to take off. And I go, Chris, we don't have it here. And Chris got all depressed <laughs> and didn't know what to do. So I said, yeah, you, yeah, you didn't know what to say when you got back to the office and you don't have the award. So 
So I told Chris to say that, you know, we went we went gambling and played craps and we lost a lot of money, so we hocked the hocked the trophy. You know. <laughs> he didn't use that excuse though. But uh, Monday morning I called the ex- exhibition people. They found it, they packed it, hopefully in the box that they were shipping back to us, so we should have it. Well, I actually should have had it this week. But yeah, so I don't know who tomorrow on the UPS because I've got the tracking. But you know, the, I mean, the moral of the story is it was it packed up when we put the award in the box. It came in; it was just a plain white box. So after they stripped all the linens off, everything was white in there, all the countertops. I think it just got mixed up with a bunch of stuff. Somebody took it, and uh, and we never saw it. Yeah, but anyway, that was our that was our big excitement for the weekend. We got that resolved. So uh, anyway, we're very happy that that was our thirteenth year. We've done that since day one, and uh, met lots of people from different water agencies all over the country, and it was a it was a good good show for us and, and everybody there. So anyway, we like that. That was our that was our fun for the week. Just thought we'd bring everybody up. We had some great guests. I hope everybody liked that. Uh, tonight we've got good good people coming on the show, but we'd like to bring in our most famous lady that we know, and it's Miss Chris Austin, who is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook. So Chris, welcome. Chris? You on mute, Chris? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hi. Sorry <laughs> to keep you waiting oh, there so long. I, I was on mute. I apologize. We thought we lost you like the package. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I show up. Yeah, I show up. Yeah, man, it's been a, all sorts of stuff going on, you know, in, in California water or what else is new. Um, you know, it's a it's a dry, dry year, and you know they uh, they did a look. You know we switched water years. Come October first, uh, the water year runs October first through September thirtieth, because this is the time of the year when we start to get the rain, and you know so that's why they use this sort of water year, and it also means that there's some sorts of analysis that come at the end of this. And what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, they have a, 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 a graphic of where the atmospheric river storms landed in 2021. And these atmospheric river storms are really important to California because they carry a lot of water. It's almost like it's this fire hose that sets up from the tropics and just delivers all this water and snow and precipitation to California. Usually, or usually it comes to California. They seem to, you know, for a while, prefer hitting the Russian River area, but they also come in lower in in California. However, come uh, this last year in 2021, all the atmospheric river storms were uh, well north of us and hitting the coastlines of Oregon and Washington. Uh, so it's a, you know it's a it's a worrying trend in a sense because um, it's just a handful of these atmospheric river storms that make up the bulk of the precipitation that we get in any given year. And if we're not going to get any of those, that's, you know, that's going to be hugely impactful. Uh, a lot of people are worried about next year. Our reservoirs are really, really low, uh, in some cases the lowest that they've ever been. 
and uh, it's very worrying. If next year is dry, um, I'm it's going to be a, a rough year to be living in California. I guess that's about all they, I can say. Aren't they talking about some storms that may hit and snow? Yeah, we have we have some uh, we have some storms coming in, and uh, they're hoping they're going to take out the fires and and dampen everything up. And they're you know they're looking now at one about one week away. Like these aren't coming for us this week, but next week, as as the forecast says. And Unfortunately, a lot of things can change in the in the matter of a week in terms of weather systems. So, um, but I think right now the media here is just grabs on to any amount of precipitation that's coming in to douse the fires and you know bring us some some water supply. And so far, you know, it, it, it's interesting. We've even here in Chico, they say, "Oh, rain's coming, rain's coming," and then you know, hardly anything shows up because uh, weather systems change, <laughs> and oh, especially yeah. one week out, it's hard to predict where it's going to go. But you know, the forecasts have generally indicated that uh, this next week here in California could be very wet. But uh, but that doesn't mean that that always materializes. So we will hope. We really would love to have some good precipitation. Yeah, be nice, be nice for a change. You know, I was also reading that people are worried about uh, recharge stuff because they can't get people keep pumping water out of the ground and the aquifers, and they're getting getting scared about that as well. So a lot of storage is going to be hurting. You, you think that's uh, that's going to be here shortly, or well, groundwater has been the, uh, an issue here in California for many years. And in 2014, you know, after a hundred years of surface water management, the state finally decided uh, to step in and enact groundwater management. Uh, but this is very tough. I mean, this is it. It would be if if you. Finance a good portion of your life on credit cards, and then I step in and I say, no more credit cards. You must live within whatever your salary is, and you must pay back these credit cards. Um, it, 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 it For a lot of people, it would be very difficult. And that's sort of the way it is for the farmers, you know, in the Central Valley who have availed themselves of groundwater for many decades and the you know the water just is not there so you know it's it's a problem and you know people point fingers the groundwater people say well you should send a surface water but you know surface water and groundwater they're still connected so there's just a lot of questions about how groundwater management is going to play out and it's a very dry year, and it's a typical year when uh, farmers go to the groundwater because they don't have any surface water, but the ground they they just can't do that anymore. Um, you know, but I think this year, for the most part, we've made it through this year. If you're still standing here on October, you know, whatever it is, fourteenth, uh, you're in good you're in good stead. 
but the the real issue becomes how much precipitation are we going to get in this next year and what are the ramifications of that for the next growing season um if it's a dry year and all indications unfortunately are that it's going to be a dry year um it's going to be very very tough to be a farmer in California and in a la nina year yeah yeah and you know i think la ninas are generally mean a drier year more so than el ninos mean a wet year in terms of how it plays out in weather wise um but no, it's not looking promising. Although, you know, we have these early year storms, but the early year storms get everyone hopeful for a wet season, but we have we've seen it happen here before where it's wet and there's lots of rain in October and November and then come December, come January it stops. And and it doesn't, you know, there's no more precipitation and that's you know, <laughs> you can get off to a great start, but if you don't keep up the race, you're not going to get there. So we're going to mm. cross our fingers. We're going to hope for a wet year. Well, yeah, we all hope. I heard up in the San Joaquin Valley they're creating a, um, some collaboration between people uh, to talk about uh, recharging, uh, that, uh, the, uh, finding a recharging partner in San Joaquin uh, Valley. And, and yeah. who, who, who are the, who, who's involved in all that? Well, I I believe the story was about um, Triangle T Water District, and I can't remember the other one, but these are groundwater districts that are working together to figure out how to increase recharge into the groundwater basins. This is really, really key, and this is the thing everyone's looking how to do is, you know, we have depleted groundwater basins, and there's only one thing you can do about that. you got to put more water in. And it really takes, you know, people working together to figure out how best to make that happen. Um, you know, there's so much territorial things going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of water fights right now. Uh, in the Central Valley and things going before the state water board, people that, you know, want to take water from certain rivers or whatever. And it, everything really works best when you sit down with your neighbors and you figure out, you know, hammer out something that's going to work really well. Um, you know, collaboration, I know it sounds like, you know, sometimes sounds like silly or, you know, the the buzzword of the day, but really there's no way that we're going to get past the issues that divide us unless we sit down at the table and, you know, talk to the people on the other side of the issue and try to understand their issues and to have them understand your issues and then figure out where you go to from there, um, you know. Can't overemphasize that we don't have enough collaboration in California water. No, very, very well said, articulately pointed. I mean, that's exactly the, the problem and what needs to happen. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, you know, we always hear a lot of talk and things take forever. I wish there was ways to cut the, the red tape in a lot of these projects and, and everything else to make them move faster and, and, and such. Cause you know, everybody's, a lot of people are screaming about climate change. Well, talk is good. We need to, we need action too. We need to, we need to move forward with a lot of, a lot of different things uh, to happen. And, uh, I, I hopefully believe that these organizations can sit down together and, you know, understand each side of the business and, and make some compromise. I mean, every you got to give a little. We can't we can't just put our foot down and say no. We're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it that way. It's got to be together. So we all we we all got to win something out of the deal. That's that's uh, that's the way I, I look at it. Yeah, um, the hard part. You know, I I just kind of remember this one uh, government guy telling me when he was involved in some some negotiations over water, he said that there were people who were on, like, board of directors of water districts and irrigation districts, and they would say, you know, it, I, I can't give it up. You need to take it from me, because if, if I give it up to you, then that's like a sign of weakness. So... We got to be strong, and you have to come and take it from me in, in terms of a legal situation or whatever. And we kind of have to get past that, you know. We're we're sort of all in this together, and uh, but there, you know, but board of people who sit on these board of directors of these agencies can feel that uh, their position is compromised if they agreed to collaboration or to a deal rather than fight. Till the you know bloody end to get their water, um, you know. I mean, it's a it's sometimes collaboration is hard, but I think it's really a necessary thing, and we have to get past these other things that you know people are concerned about. Yeah, either well, way you look at it. Yeah, either way you look at it, Chris. As you said before, right? It's going to be tough to be a farmer in the state of California in the coming year. There's just going to be just a lot more focus on on water availability. I mean, you got the whole Central uh, Central Valley project for 2022, um, starting off with you know not much in the bucket, so to speak. Um, I think you see, I don't know, if, I think it was on your site. Uh, some filmmaker is is uh, looking to do a a series or a, some sort of a um, a show on water California water stewardship. I just think, you know, we're lucky to have you, Chris, because every week uh, when you come on, we get firsthand um, uh, what's happening in, in California water. But, boy, I just I just see so much focus coming on this subject in the next year. Don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, actually a, a, an interesting story that we haven't really discussed much is about uh, what's going on in, in Monterey. And... I have made this prediction, and it's a general prediction and without anything, um, you know, without any specific location uh, attached to it. And I just think that it's going to be really, really hard for the court to decide that water has to stay in a river to the benefit of species when it means that it's drying up a town, yeah. a, a city. Um 
again, I make this with no specific locality in mind. I just think it's going to be really difficult. And I do not mean to say it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying it's going to be really difficult. And we're going to, I think the first place we're going to see this play out is on the Monterey Peninsula, uh, because they were told on the Monterey Peninsula that they had to stop drawing so much water from the Carmel River. Uh, and so they have been trying now for five years to decide how they can reduce their draw from the Carmel River. They only have one river. They do not have any imported water. So they have been looking at recycled water. They have been looking at desalination. They've been unable to get a desalination plant passed because desalination is kind of controversial. And also the place where they chose to site that particular desalination plant was in a disadvantaged community that felt that they were going to get the impacts of the desalination plant but none of the water. Um, so they still haven't solved this problem. And come January 1st, of this of 2022, uh, they have to stop drawing from the river two thirds of what they usually pumped. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because they have not been able to find a source of supplement water. Uh, they are looking at water recycling, but water recycling, uh, you know, the the issue with water recycling is you have to have water in order to recycle. So if you're pumping groundwater and the groundwater is all you recycle and not all of that water, you can only recycle indoor water use. Water people put on their yard or outdoor water use is not, you can't recycle it. It's on its way out to the environment. So, you know, you if you don't have enough water coming into your your community, you, you know, recycling will help, but it isn't going to replace a two-thirds reduction of water coming into the area. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this plays out, uh, you know, come 2022, come January 1st, uh, yeah. because uh, there will be lawsuits, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, we, I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show about uh, water uh, that's being used by people that shouldn't be using it. And I know there's an advocacy group called the Food and Water Watch, and they're, they've put some details and analysis about uh, the immense scale of corporate water abuses in California. And I, I, had, I had discussed the illegal, I think it was up in the Northern California area, where there was a two, over 2,000 illegal farms that are that are harvesting uh, marijuana. That was, and I guess you have to have licenses to, to do that. But um, nobody, I, I never heard anything beyond that from the state that they're cracking down on those people because they're 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 taking water as, as much as they can. But but now this other report stopped talking about uh, how many corporate people, both in, in farms and corporations and business, are, are abusing their water uses. And well, I, I don't. One of the things that you have to take into account with this study is it came from a group called the Food and Water Watch. And right. so this is a group that has a has an edge. And actually, if you look at their key findings from the report, uh, they're not concerned about cannabis at all. 
they're concerned about oil, the oil and gas industry, which extracts water for fracking and other things. Um, they're pointing at, you know, the corporations that, uh, you know, grow almonds and alfalfa, um, you know, and, and alfalfa gets uh, in the crosshairs with a lot of these arguments. Uh, but you also have to keep in mind that uh, we also have a lot of dairies here in California, and the alfalfa that they're growing is to feed the cows for the dairies. So, and, and, it shipped over, and it shipped overseas to the Middle East as well. Yeah, well, yes, in some instances, yeah. yes. Uh, but yeah. if you say no more alfalfa growing here in California, then these dairies, they have to get their feed from somewhere, so then they're trucking it in. I mean, uh, you know, we do, we tend to look at these low-value, high-water-use crops as wasteful, but they're they're not, I'm not so sure they're necessarily wasteful if that crop is being grown next to the dairy to feed the cows in the dairy um, versus, trucking that alfalfa in from someplace else and what yeah. that means in terms of costs and greenhouse gases and whatever. Um, you know, but, they, so but like I said, there, with, 2000, with 2,000 illegal cannabis operations going on just in one county in Northern California, that's just one county. Uh, oh, they're they're, they're definitely the trying to take some action on the, on the cannabis yeah. farms. Uh, yeah, the illegal I, one. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not for or against the use of that stuff. I'm just saying they're doing it illegally, and and and, and you know if they need water, okay, I understand they need. I mean, I know they need water to grow the stuff, but there's there's a proper way to do that. And right now they're stealing water from farmers and other things. So we'll, we'll leave that for yeah. another another discussion. I'll get off my uh, soapbox on that one. So, but Chris, thank you for coming on tonight. We do appreciate. We, we missed you last week uh, when we were up at the uh, Southern Nevada Water Show. Um, but uh, for all our listeners, if you want to get the best, the very best in California water news, go to www.mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber, become uh, the sponsor of the show. You know, um, we are, as the Water Zone, our sponsors of the show. And actually, our next guest is from Municipal Water District of Orange County. They're also a sponsor of... Uh, of uh, Maven's Notebook, so uh, yeah, we're, we're yeah, we're in good companies with people who are smart and know where to get the right information. So even though we're in the business, we get more listening to you. So Chris, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be with you next week, and uh, uh, you take care and stay safe. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week, Chris. You All right, too. we're going to take a little break in our for our commercials, and then we'll be back with our featured guest. So stick around. We'll be back in just a minute or two. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes, a better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. 
EcoSeries products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about eco-solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the Technical Service Hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. Angling for new business, here's a tip. Give your customers a call or a visit after a heavy rainstorm. Find out if any puddles collected on their property and lasted for longer than 24 hours. If so, time for a drainage solution. Unless soggy turf and mosquitoes are their idea of fun. <laughs> Depending how fishy the situation is, your recommendation could include grates and catch basins connected to a drainage pipe to move water away from the problem area to a safe discharge location. If water can't be moved off site, a dry well is another great option for collecting runoff and preventing ponding. So, next time it rains, drop your customers a line. Put together a plan to solve their drainage problems and they will be hooked. Whoa, that is a big one! Quick, take my picture, take my picture! K-C-A-A Well, all right, everybody, and welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Radio Program with Rob and Chris. Um, I'll tell you guys, we have an exciting guest on the second half of the show here. He's returning to the Water Zone. It's Mr. Rob Hunter, who's the general manager of Municipal Water District of, of Orange County. For those readers who aren't local here in, in Southern California, um, Municipal Water District of Orange County, or MODOC, as it's referred to here, is essentially an agency, water supply agency. I don't know. I think I'll let Rob talk about it, but somewhere between two and two and a half million uh, uh, service, uh, person service area or meter service area, that's a big area. Um, we also know that before that, um, Rob was the general manager of uh, water utility for the city of Atlanta. And before that, he worked for a company called uh, MWH Americas at global consulting firm that specializes in all aspects of um, water infrastructure. We're so happy to have him back on the show. Uh, Rob Hunter, welcome again to the Water Zone. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here to talk about baseball tonight. It is. I'm glad you got the memo on what the subject matter is, and we're all prepared and, uh, and ready to go, and I hope you have that singularly important game uh, playing in the background. Oh, but I have I have a picture I can iPad right in front of me. Go Dodgers! <laughs> I, I I have I, I want to test your knowledge. Okay, just real quick. Okay. So years ago, somebody gave you a, a little yellow cap, and it said a famous sentence on it. Do you remember what that was? A yellow cap. A little yellow cap that you had to wear at school. Uh. 
I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you a hint. We're fellow Yellow Jackets. Does that help you? Oh, outstanding. <laughs> you remember the little hat you had to wear? I, I believe mine said, the hell with Georgia. You got it, buddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had well to get done. that in. So. Uh, next time we see you, uh, and we'll go to Atlanta, we'll go to the varsity and get some hot dogs and stuff. And Remember that? That was a great place. <laughs> the onion ring, yeah. Yep, you got it. Anyway, we'll go back to the real world. world. I had to say that to you, so. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Start it off. You know, Rob, you're you're awesome, and and uh, Rob Hunter, he gave me a little hint that he was gonna, that he was going to uh, ask me that question, and uh, told me not to tell your staff that he was going to ask it. He wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they did not tell me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so Rob, listen, let's let's uh, you know we just had uh, uh, Chris Austin on from Maven's Notebook, and and we know that uh, Municipal Water District of Orange County is a sponsor for as as Rob said. So uh, we appreciate those. We appreciate our sponsors, Site One, and Well Done tonight as well. So let's get into the question. So when you were last back on this show, I think it was in May, uh, Rob, if I don't remember, we were talking about the drought back then, but really it was kind of, kind of just kind of in its beginning. You know, headlines were just starting to come on uh, uh, on the news, and it was just starting to uh, make news. Um, but uh, I guess the question is, things haven't really gotten much better, have they? Well, they haven't gotten much better, and, and um, I really enjoyed uh, some of Chris's comments. She was right on the money on uh, what she was talking about, as she always is. Um, but it has not gotten better by any means. And um, while Southern California uh, did some heavy investments in terms of infrastructure and water storage, I think the number one thing is that everybody has to realize that we're in a very serious drought. Um, and even in the Metropolitan Water District service area, if we have another year like the year we just wrapped up, um, there's going to be some serious issues in some parts of their service area on water supply. And everybody's working very hard right now um, to solve those problems before they get here. Agreed. Agreed. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, okay. Uh, We're we're, we're working out of our remote site, so we're not sitting together at our studio. (laughs) It's a little hard to tell when something stops to start. It was was actually great last week when we did the show out of Vegas because we were sitting in the same room next to each other on the same mic, and (laughs) it 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 went a lot smoother. We we step on each other a lot, Rob, so. I know. (laughs) So, so part of the state, especially up north, are looking at a potential drought state of emergencies. And, and I know that everybody, at least of the water agencies I know in California and, and around the world, but, but especially here in California, we've, they've done a good job of saving water for times like this. How do, how, do, how do our supplies look, in your opinion? Well, it depends upon where you are. This drought is very different than previous droughts in that, Normally, the drought starts in Southern California and stresses resources here, and then they spread to Northern California. In this case, Northern California is actually in, in much more dire straits than Southern California is. So it's very different from that, and that's causing a different reaction um, for the, the Central Valley Project. 
Um, water supplies are very low for agriculture um, heading heading into to the coming year, and the, the storage is is only at fifty two percent of a fifteen year average. So it is very low for agriculture, um, and the the groundwater levels are are very low. Um, so it's going to be a very difficult year at best for, for um, agriculture in the, in the Central Valley. Um, for the exports um, to Southern California from, from up north, um, Lake Oroville, um, the, the primary source, um, is only at 22% of the total capacity. It is, it is at the lowest level than it has been since it was first filled. Um, this year, the the table, alloc- table A allocation, which determines how much water comes um, out of the delta, was only at 5%. Um, and if that happens again next year, and it's likely to start out at 0%, um, it, it's going to be... Um, cause some impacts, not only in Northern California, but in Southern California. And on the Colorado River, um, for, the, for the first time ever, um, the lower basin states, the four lower basin states, uh, the lower part of the river in Lake Mead, uh, there was a shortage declaration announced by the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. Um, that's never happened before. Um, and by the end of the year, um, Lake Mead will below, be below the trigger level of 1,075 feet in elevation. And that means that Arizona and Nevada uh, will have reductions um, that they can divert. Um, and those will be triggered at that point. California doesn't get, doesn't, um, get to that point so the elevation gets down to 1,045 feet. But um, I, I know that Chris talked about um, people and agencies and groups working together. And one of the things that the Colorado River has engendered is, I think, a broader spirit of cooperation Um Metropolitan Water District is looking at the, the water, the largest wastewater uh, recovery recycling operation uh, in the United States, and they have just uh, reached an agreement with both uh, Arizona and Southern Nevada uh, to help fund that project or help fund the study and evaluation of that project. Um, that would allow the exchange of water to help those agencies out, help defray a cost that is is uh, going to to be um, extremely expensive. Um, so it is changing the, the water industry. It is changing how people cooperate and work together. And I think that you are going to see much more of that on all fronts um, because the status quo can't stay. And as, as Chris was saying, for those solutions, everybody is going to be unhappy. Um, 
but how do you work the best solutions that make the best, the most sense, but accomplish the, the greatest goals for everyone, um, and minimize the impacts? And, and I do see that happening now. Yeah. yeah, we saw we saw in the last drop starting the, in the mid teens, right, 2015, 2016, and so on. Really, there was no winners there either, uh, Rob, because of all the you know the constituents. Just there's just too many people and not enough resources to go around. But let me just ask a question here because I'm tagging on some of the comments coming in from uh, from the show from our listeners and kind of a um, common kind of theme reading here is you know a lot of people are asking. You know why? Why did they read on the news? Why did they read in the newspapers that this current drought, you know, the 2021, 2020, 2022 now drought, is uh, is really a focus on on Taylor two cities, or in this case, Taylor two states, Northern California, Southern California, right? I, you know, I don't know if that's a if that's a if that's a myth or not. We were just talking to Chris Austin about um, all the reservoir levels, as you were mentioning. Um, Severe in Northern California, but here in Southern California, the reservoir le- uh, levels um, are not uh, that bad and severe. Is it? Is it really a myth, or really this is just really one state, isn't it? Isn't it, Rob? Well, it, it is one state, and we we do have um, really much more than than other states a integrated water system of moving water around the state by several hundred miles. Um, Part of the difference, as I mentioned at the beginning, is this is a different drought that normally you see the drought in Southern California, but we realize we live in a semi-arid area. You know, we may get, depending upon where you're at, 17 inches of, of rainfall a year. Um, and, and we have invested in the water reliability because of that. We, we have built reservoirs like Diamond Valley Lake. We've invested in uh, the Colorado River Aqueduct, the LA Aqueduct, the State Water Project. We've invested in water reuse projects like the GWRS system at uh, Orange County Water District, which is the largest recycling currently uh, in the United States. Um, and that water gets reused, put in the groundwater. Um, conversely, Northern California, because of the drought, usually doesn't hit as hard up there, hasn't had to, to face those realities. And what we're seeing now with climate change, um, that, that we're really seeing a difference in that. The, the California mm-hmm. water system, the mega system, is designed for snowpack. That, that storage is in snow for months out of the year and gets released gradually. Well, a couple of things are happening. The amount of precipitation isn't actually changing, but it's coming as rain, so it doesn't get stored, and it flows through the system. So we are going to have to invest mightily in how we capture that water and move it and either put it in the ground or put it in off-river reservoirs or, or do something with it to hold it because it's not a total amount of, of precipitation, it's the timing. And you only have, and we only get four, maybe five large rain events in Northern California or precipitation events. If it's not going to be kept as snow, 
it's going to come as rain, you have to grab it and store it or it's gone. It won't be there at the summer or the fall. Um, so it, it is a change system, and we are going to have to adapt to it. Um, I, I know Chris was, was talking about a couple instances of um, in Monterey, will, will the judge side with, with in-stream flows um, and the river over urban? Uh, we have some similar issues um, up in Northern California, but it, it's really broader issues than that. Um, in, in Monterey, they've been bouncing back and forth between um, different projects to, to try to solve that problem. They haven't been able to resolve those issues. Um, one of the factors that's likely to come up next year in the Bay Delta, um, up in Northern California, is how do you maintain enough flow going out to San Francisco Bay to keep the salinity out of the Delta? Because if that salinity right. gets in the Delta, it's not good for anyone. It's not good for agriculture. It's not good for the uh, ecosystem, it's not good for drinking water supply. So it would seem your number one priority is you have to keep the, the saline waters, um, the brackish waters, out of the delta. Um, and I know there are some proposals to put some additional uh, flow gates in to help block those flows. But it is it is a very complicated, very interwoven question. Um, but in terms of have we made decisions in the past that led to the collapse of ecosystems? Sure, in the Colorado River right now, it doesn't no longer flows uh, to the estuary. The river goes dry before that because it gets used up in the United States and in Mexico. So yeah. uh, not necessarily the best decision-making, but that's where it is. Um, no, we, we, we understand that. You know, I was, you know, I'm leading up to the next question about conservation. I know we're we're very happy and we enjoy working with a lot of your staff, especially uh, if I can name them, uh, Tiffany Baca and Damon Michalisi. Um, you know, we do a lot of projects together. We both sponsor the uh, Wyland uh, National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, and we're doing. Uh, I'm sure you know we're doing a, a park upgrade in Westminster uh, together. And where we're we're putting in a complete new uh, irrigation system that'll be the state of the art. Um, but with the state starts, do you believe that the state gonna you know they're gonna ask for more greater conservation efforts? Uh, do you think we're looking at mandates coming down from Sacramento soon, or do you think that's going to happen like we uh, did with Brown? But it it may happen, but but there's been significant changes since last drought. And if it does happen, it won't happen until um, January at the earliest. Um, when you hear, for example, the governor asks for a voluntary 15% conservation and wants that to go immediately, there's a difference between conservation and water use efficiency. And right. the programs that we really look at in terms of um, changing water use, whether that's indoor with 
with low volume toilets or or shower heads or, or other aspects like that, or it's outdoors with uh, uh, turf replacement programs or or different irrigation systems. That's that's water use efficiency. That is being efficient in how we use water, and um, we've done a really good job in doing that. Um, in Orange County, in the last ten years, the population um, increased fifty four percent. Excuse me, five point four percent. But the per capita water use decreased by ten point five percent. So we're much more efficient in our water use. But when you ask for conservation and you ask for, I want things to change immediately by 15%, that's not a long-term program. That's, I want you to do something today. And most of that is outdoor watering. Uh, And we can do things right now in outdoor watering. We're, We're into the fall. You don't need as much water as you did during the summer, so you can adjust back your your uh, irrigation systems. Yeah, um, you're not filling you the pools at, every day. <laughs> yeah, um, so there there are things that that you can do there beyond what you'd normally do, but when you're saying I want 15 percent today, you're saying I'm going to go from watering two days a week to one day a week. I'm 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 going to uh, stop watering my, my lawn entirely. It's, it's not efficient. You're just conserving water. But since the last drought here in Orange County, um, where we went through an evolution of different requests from just 25% uh, conservation to a range by, by utility to going to a stress test, um, to determine what you had to do to now in the urban water management plans, we have drought contingency plans of how we are supposed to respond to decreased supplies. Um, we're still 11% below where we were before the last drought. So when the governor says, well, compared to last year, I want you to, to decrease by 15%, that's actually a 26% reduction just over a couple of years. And that is a huge lift. Um, And if you go to places like the city of Los Angeles, um, that has a a relatively small outdoor water use, a lot of multifamily homes, uh, apartments, condominiums, um, a lot of office buildings, they don't use a lot of water outside, so they have already squeezed their per capita use tremendously. And I'm not going to speak for L.A., but I'm, in my opinion, it's going to be very difficult for them to do another 15% because they've already done so much. Right. So it, it, it's a different ball game than where, where we were in the last drought. No, you're yeah, absolutely so right. Let's look at... Go ahead. Let's look at a couple of, uh, you know, looking again, reading the comments here in the last couple of minutes or few minutes that we've got on uh, on, on airtime. Let's talk about what some of our listeners uh, can do, right, to kind of help the process along just to help um, 
uh, uh, the drought because I've got several comments saying, well, you know, what 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 can we do? This is this is mostly our homeowner listeners, I'm sure. But uh, what is uh, what's Modoc promote in terms of solutions or in terms of things that people can do like right now? Well, we have we have a, a um, very advanced, very comprehensive water use efficiency program. So if it's if it's something like toilets or shower heads or uh, rebates on um, closed washing machines to go to, to to more efficient, low water volume models. We have all that in place, and that can that can make a difference. Um, if you're going to get into turf replacement, you can just turn off the water um, irrigating your turf. Uh, if you're going to go to to uh, more more native plants and, and water-friendly plantings rather than grass. Um, but are these the tips thing, and suggestions yeah. and stuff available on the on the, on the Modoc website, Ross? Oh yeah, Modoc.com, um, WDOC.com, um, and, and they are there. But probably the first thing you need to do is adjust to the seasons and cut back on your outdoor water use. Um, right. You know, the suggestions of, of uh, well, you can take shorter showers by showering with a friend. In my experience, that doesn't lead to sh- shorter showers. So I, I would focus on <laughs> outdoor water use. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't convince my wife of that. I try to every day, but she doesn't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, go to the website. Guys, you... Go ahead. No, I was going to say... You... You guys do a lot of stuff. You have a K through 14 water education initiative. Um, you do water inspection uh, trips and things of that sort. So you guys do a lot. Again, you you promote a lot of stuff. You know, we've we've done contests with you guys where we uh, uh, people have uh, sent some information into about their front lawn. Why did they need a makeover? And we we did that. So it was it was pretty interesting. So no, you guys do a lot. We we want want to promote you guys as much as possible. And for all the other water agencies listening in. Uh, Go, go to their website and see what they're doing and, co- and collaborate. It's a good thing. Everybody likes to collaborate, so let's do that and, and find out what's the best way to, to help co- save our water. So, Rob, thanks very much for joining us. we got the news hour we're coming up to, so got to say goodbye, but thank you very much for coming on, and uh, well, we'll get to see each other and uh, and, and, and go uh, little, little bees. Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.